More time at home means more washing, drying, cooking, and cleaning at home, and more wear and tear on old appliances. But it's the perfect time to save on new ones at the Home Depot. For savings on the latest appliances, and right now free delivery. From the kitchen to the laundry room, that upgrade is well within reach, and closer than ever. Save on top appliances, now at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. U.S. only while supplies last free delivery on major appliances, $396 or more, valid through January 27th. Welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast. So we're going to talk about the upcoming Malaysian Grand Prix. Kunal, I am very, very, very excited to talk about this because the Malaysian Grand Prix was the first race I ever attended. I saw it live and this was way back in 2006. Hello, hello everyone. And I'm actually very curious to know, much like a lot of our listeners would be, how was your first ever live race experience? Well, obviously, I was super excited because I'd been waiting for that weekend for like a few years by then. <laughs> and I was very excited to see Kimi Raikkonen race live, actually. That would have been the highlight of the race for me. But then guess what? He had a first lap exit. I never even got to see him race a single lap. <laughs> I was heartbroken. <laughs> I was like, give me my money back. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Well, those were Kimi Raikkonen's McLaren days. He had way too many retirements. And of course, a lot of people believe he could have won a few world championships had he not had those many retirements. But guess what? Given that this is the case of McLaren, I wonder what's changed for them between then and now. Well, Kunal, I think uh, we should relive some of our memories of the Malaysian Grand Prix. Um, we are also going to talk about the success of the Singapore Grand Prix and whether that's what's costing us the Malaysian Grand Prix. Or is it that fans in Malaysia have chosen MotoGP over Formula 1? We don't like you guys. Or... No, guys! <laughs> come on! We also talk about how Mercedes could have coped with a double retirement. Lewis Hamilton said that retirement actually crossed his mind at the end of 2016. So we're going to talk more about this in the episode. And while, of course, there's much, much more, we hope that the title battle remains a battle for the sake of all of us fans as the checkered flag waves in Sepang on Sunday. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. And before we move on, I'm going to actually give in my regular tune-in by. Do remember to subscribe to us on iTunes and on Audioboom for your weekly dose of Formula One humor. And guess what? We also have good news for our listeners in India, especially the ones on Android at the moment. So Book My Show has launched or rather released a jukebox in the Book My Show app and we are available for listening on the Book My Show jukebox app as well. So a lot of places to tune into us. You better yeah. not have a next... <laughs> everywhere. We're you everywhere. Better, you better not have an excuse next week. <laughs> So back to the Malaysian Grand Prix, my first memory of the inaugural race or rather my first memory of the race was the inaugural one that was in 1999 and of course I saw that on television, I wasn't there in the grandstands, I was too young uh, but it was the race when Michael Schumacher made his comeback to Formula 1 after his leg fracturing crash at Silverstone and my only memory of the race, believe it or not, was how Michael Schumacher slowed down every single time to let Eddie Irvine 
go through and win the race. He let him through twice. And I think what he also did on numerous occasions was to slow Irvine's other rivals down, namely David Coulthard. I think it was Johnny Herbert as well and Mika Hakkinen, of course. Wow, Kunal, you have some memory. <laughs> I think we've actually had quite a few classics at Sepang in the last 19 years that they hosted Formula 1. It's been 19 years, wow. <laughs> I also remember that this was where Kimi Raikkonen won his first ever race. This was way back in 2003, of course, but hey, it's a special track. <laughs> <laughs> I so knew that this statistic was coming our way on the Inside Line F1 podcast. Obviously. And uh, of course, my most recent memory was when Ross Braun, who was a part of Mercedes, did not permit Nico Rosberg to overtake Lewis Hamilton because they were on different strategies. Now, my memory was that why is a Formula One racing car driver asking for permission to overtake? That was actually really strange. I think this was 2014 or maybe even 2013 back then. <laughs> I think it was the first sign for all of us that Hamilton was always going to be the driver that Mercedes would back for the win. And funnily enough, nothing has changed. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Malaysia was also Sebastian Vettel's first ever win with Ferrari. This was in 2015. And so finally, as we bid adieu to Malaysia, we'd love to thank the passionate fans for their wholehearted support. Uh, we know that there are a few fans that tune in from Malaysia to listen to us every week as well. And as a special gesture, Formula One is going to release the full race edit of the 2001 Malaysian Grand Prix uh, on YouTube. And this is actually a first, uh, you know, a first for the sport of Formula One. Yeah, Kunal, it's going to be on YouTube and I am just wondering what the ad share percentages are going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Bernie Ecclestone avoided YouTube all along because of this very reason. So I'm very glad that we have Liberty Media who have, you know, brought liberty to Formula One and social media or rather Formula One uses social media. <laughs> Kunal, I think while we're on the topic, I'm wondering if the success of the Singapore Grand Prix worked against the popularity of the Malaysian Grand Prix. Basically, two races and they're geographically so close to each other. And for the last few seasons, they've also been scheduled just a fortnight apart. Yeah, and you know, strangely enough, MotoGP is scheduled within the same month too. Or, I mean, within 30 or days of Formula 1 too. And given the ticket prices, it's a little ambitious to expect fans to spend twice over in a month on motorsport. I mean, I do it, but not, not all fans are me, right? Yeah, so. that's fair. <laughs> I also think the fans in Malaysia made up their minds and they picked MotoGP because we'd see that the MotoGP stands, they'd be usually packed. And I don't mean that the, the F1 race stands would go empty, it's just that the MotoGP stands would be fuller. <laughs> in fact, this reminds me that uh, last week we spoke of the 360 degree live video that Formula One tested in Singapore. And guess what? MotoGP went ahead and introduced the 360-degree live technology in Aragon this weekend. So MotoGP is clearly miles ahead of Formula One in terms of broadcast innovation. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. But you know, Kunal, the Aragon weekend will be remembered for time to come. And that's because of Rossi's brilliance. And my God, the front row start that he pulled off. He finished fifth with a broken leg. Can you believe that? That <laughs> man is a legend. And you know, it was only some 20 days or so after his fracture that Rossi returned to full-time racing. 
And, you know, one of his responses were that, oh, back in 2010, when I had my last fracture, it took me five days to use the toilet by myself. This time, it took me only one. (laughs) Can you believe it? Rossi said, like, he's crazy awesome. (laughs) And I wonder how and why these motorsport greats love sharing their toilet humor. (laughs) We all know uh, Raikkonen's famous one too, right? He said... Guess what? I was taking a shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we're all for humor of every kind. <laughs> so, uh, Daniel Ricciardo, he said that if there's anyone he wants to learn from, from the world of motorsport, it has to be Valentino Rossi. Purely for how long he's remained competitive in the sport and, you know, the speed he's carried along for pretty much every single season. And of course, his fitness. Yeah, and honestly, as for the other drivers, I think there's a lot they can learn from Daniel Ricciardo himself. <laughs> I love that guy. He's always the happy driver in the paddock. He's he's always smiling, you know, on the podium, in the interviews, pretty much everywhere. <laughs> yes, in fact, on the podium in Singapore, he displayed a new podium celebratory trick. A lot of us ended up missing it thanks to the controversial discussions that we had around Singapore. But you can actually check out the video on my blog, kunalsf1blog.com, for those who don't remember the URL, because not a lot of times we end up remembering URLs these days. We just bookmark them. (laughs) That was a pretty neat party trick, actually. I also saw this video of the tour of Ricciardo's motorhome, and he was hilarious, so hilarious. So he had this wet towel hanging in his bathroom, and uh, it was captured on video, of course. And Ricciardo was like, oh, oops. That's actually Max Verstappen's towel. (laughs) So funny. I think I'm going to try doubly hard to get him on our podcast after seeing that video. You know, to me, this is Ricciardo's version of toilet humor. I'm telling you, (laughs) all the motorsport greats have toilet humor. In fact, soon it could just be a parameter that to be a great driver or a rider in motorsport, you better have good toilet humor jokes. (laughs) (laughs) So Ricciardo also visited a radio station to meet a Max Verstappen fan who was convinced that Ricciardo was to blame for the Red Bull driver's clash or crash that there was in Hungary. If you remember, Max Verstappen took Daniel Ricciardo out and I remember seeing this video and it was one other hilarious one. So Daniel Ricciardo, hats off, you are actually the most happiest driver on the grid and in the paddock in Formula 1. We love you. Please please remain this way. (laughs) And, uh, you know, one other thing that Ricciardo said which comes to my mind was that he and Max Verstappen are as good as Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel. Just that they need the car that the other two have or they need a car as quick as the other two. And we've spoken about this several times before Kunal. What I really, really like about Ricciardo is that he seldom only talks about himself. He's like this perfect team man. He's also said that Verstappen is a tougher teammate than Vettel was for him. (laughs) So he's really... Yeah, I really hope that Red Bull Racing doesn't mistake this team man of his for a loyal number two because yeah. we've seen what they've done to Australian drivers in the past. But, Ouch. you know, him talking of Verstappen being a tougher teammate than Vettel, is that a sign that Ricciardo could just deflect to Ferrari and partner Vettel anytime soon? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I must admit that Ricciardo is actually the perfect Red Bull ambassador given what Red Bull signs f- stands for and actually even signs for given Carlos signs <laughs> is there. But 
for me it's hard to imagine daniel ricciardo in non red bull racing colors yeah so i'd like to share a discussion that we had with a formula 1 fan in norway uh, last week uh, henrik norim so this was about the controversial ferrari sandwich in singapore Hendrik said that had Ricciardo been in Verstappen's position maybe the crash wouldn't have happened because maybe Ricciardo would have reacted differently. I thought this was damn interesting. Yeah, I think this is a very interesting viewpoint from Hendrik and basically, you know, Ricciardo is always known to be this driver who has this larger picture playing in his mind and that's how he's got seven podiums this season. and uh, my mind also goes back to what max verstappen said post race it seemed and sounded a little childish to me so he said that it was good that all three of them or rather all three of us did not finish and this is where maybe ricciardo's maturity and his ability to see the larger picture rather than just the first corner would have made him react differently and i don't know if verstappen's dnfs were also playing on verstappen's minds while going through that whole sandwich i mean convoluted stuff but you never know thank yeah. you hendrik for that yeah uh, i'm just eager to see what happens to ricciardo in the coming six races of the season kunal he was actually the winner in malaysia last year so yes and strangely enough while toro wolf has said that sepang could actually suit mercedes let's remember mercedes and hamilton have won here just once which is a little strange yeah and uh, vettel's won here thrice and if you see the statistics uh this could be yet another red bull racing or ferrari circuit but frankly i don't think their might at sepang will be as strong as theirs was in singapore so maybe just a half chance on <laughs> sunday for vettel and ferrari to claw back 28 points that's a that's a substantial number <laughs> well i remember last year so lewis hamilton had an engine failure and that lost him several valuable points in his championship fight against rosberg Kunal, I really hope that something as dramatic and unfortunate doesn't happen this weekend, which could, in fact, decide the championship battle. <laughs> do I see Sebastian Vettel and Lewis? Sorry, do I see Sebastian Vettel and Ferrari fans tuning out of the podcast, going to the nearest church or temple or mosque or uh, I don't know where they'd go to pray and pray for a Lewis Hamilton DNF this weekend? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> And I know we usually don't do predictions this early in the podcast. We do it towards the end, but I'm going to make mine right away. So I'm going to pick Vettel for victory, Lewis Hamilton for second, and Valtteri Bottas for third. So uh, I don't know what Raikkonen is going to do, but he really needs to play wingman if Vettel is going to win on Sunday. Since we're doing this now, I think it's going to be a Lewis Hamilton victory ahead of Vettel, and then you know whoever else doesn't matter. <laughs> I think the title battle might not be a battle going forward unless something drastic happens you know DNF style <laughs> but for formula 1 sake and Vettel's sake I really really hope it's exciting Yes I hope there's a battle too because Hamilton has said that it is only thanks to his battle with Sebastian Vettel he's continuing in the sport and hasn't thought of a retirement yet and in fact he said that a you know retirement thought actually crossed his mind towards the end of last season after nico rosberg defeated him wow can you imagine what would have happened had hamilton retired too i mean mercedes the world constructors championship winning team and they had the fastest car on the grid and they would have had two empty cockpits <laughs> like <laughs> I think Lance Stroll's father would have lined up to pay money to get Lance into those cockpits. Yeah. But you know what even then even if Hamilton and Rosberg had both retired, 
Mercedes wouldn't have put in Alonso in the car. I kid you not. <laughs> they guy. have too much history between themselves. <laughs> But I must say, Lewis Hamilton has absolutely turned a new leaf. So he gave Bottas his third place back in Hungary, which we know, and he's now turned vegan and he's partnered with some charitable initiatives too. So it's far from the party, party, party image we've seen till now. Yeah, but the only thing I still can't connect with was when he said that Senna speaks to me sometimes. I mean, I just, <laughs> sorry, whatever Lewis. works for him. <laughs> sorry, Louis, but that just doesn't make sense to me. Uh, but uh, yeah, I wish Senna would speak to me too. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay. Uh moving on, uh Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton have launched a Hamilton pole position t-shirt, proceeds of which would actually go to Michael Schumacher's Keep Fighting charitable institution. So, I'm going to be buying my t-shirt online this weekend. I really hope you do and I really hope that you all do go and buy that t-shirt. Very cool. And uh, Lewis is also partnered with Leo Di Cap for a charitable deed. uh the highest bidder and actually i think the bidding is closed now uh, will get to spend a full racing weekend with lewis hamilton and this includes a ride in the f1 2 seater program wow i was like drooling when i was thinking about this <laughs> yeah we need to make a lot more money from the podcast so we need to start making money from the podcast so we can go and bid for such charitable initiatives and a weekend with lewis hamilton i don't know what it costs <laughs> but Uh, you know here's the strange thing so leonardo dicaprio in his efforts to save the world has actually partnered with the one sport which is possibly got the highest carbon footprint <laughs> so formula 1 is destroying the world but here's uh, you know here's leonardo dicaprio who's partnered with formula 1 or rather formula 1 driver to try and save the world so whatever floats the boat yeah. <laughs> Uh, but okay, Leo, I'm a big fan of you. Catch me if you can, and I don't mean it on the podcast. I mean that I'm a big fan, and I'm sorry, but just this just sounds too funny to me. So finally, from thoughts of retiring not so long ago, Lewis Hamilton is now targeting Michael Schumacher's seven championship victories. I'm wondering how close he can get, honestly. Yeah, I really hope he can get close, but not past that mark of seven. <laughs> <laughs> And speaking of Michael, so he is off to America for further treatment. That's what I read. And I'm like, please, 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 please. I'm really hoping for an update on his health condition. I join in Hamilton's plea, and I'm just praying for him. Yeah. Yes, and I am actually dying to know more too. Much like pretty much every single listener of ours is keen to know, but. I think it's time to move on because I get really emotional when we talk about Michael yeah. Schumacher. <laughs> But there are few more news that we'd like to talk about. So Valtteri Bottas is targeting Sebastian Vettel's second place in the drivers' championship. It's a little unfortunate when a Mercedes driver is actually targeting second place, but one of the drivers has to be second. Why not Valtteri? But that could also mean in my view you're basically fighting to be the first of the losers. Yeah, ouch. <laughs> I don't think Vettel would care, you know, if he finishes second or third or fourth or whatever if he isn't first. Yeah, and I'm sorry but I have a friend called Petteri Pirinen who's finished and he's going to hate me for saying what I did about Valtteri, but that's the damn truth. <laughs> <laughs> I remember reading whether uh, Marcioni would pardon Vettel for his moves in Singapore. What do you think, Kunal? I think that with great talent comes greater temperament and Ferrari have long lived with Michael Schumacher and his temperament and let's remember after his mess with Jacques Villeneuve uh in Jerez in 1997 they lived with him as well and they went on to win five world titles with him that we know of 
So I'm sure that they're going to learn to live along with Sebastian Vettel's talent and temperament too. Hey, speaking of Jacques Villeneuve, so he said that he's refused requests to do podium interviews. I'm just wondering what would have happened if he'd actually done a podium interview at a race where Lance Stroll happened to be on the podium. <laughs> Because now we know that Lance Stroll does occasionally make it to the podium. <laughs> From the barriers to the podium. That should be the name of Lance Stroll's biography or autobiography. I don't know what he's going to hey, do. Hey, that could be Pastor Maldonado's too, but okay. <laughs> but yes, Jacques Villeneuve karma can be a bitch. <laughs> yes. So the big question in my mind, who could end up partnering Lance Stroll at Williams next season? Because Williams have admitted that Felipe Massa, Paul Duresta and Robert Kubica are in the race to get into their racing car. Unfortunately, thanks to his age, which is I think just 22, Pascal Verlaine might not make the cut because we know that Martini needs an needs a driver older than 25 years of age. Well, I really hope that Kubica gets the nod. We've spoken about this before, Kunal, but honestly even Duresta making a comeback, that sounds pretty good too. Yes, and I think I would like Felipe Massa to continue as well, but then again, he already knows what it takes and what it's like to retire, so maybe he can retire again. <laughs> <laughs> This is where all of Formula 1 gets emotional. <laughs> again <laughs> but interesting case about Paul de Resta though because Lewis Hamilton has said that it could actually be difficult to make a comeback to formula 1 for him if he left so i am curious to see how Paul de Resta can can go and we've honestly seen uh, Kimi Raikkonen make a comeback and do well we've seen Adrian Sutil make a comeback in the recent past and yeah. do well as well we saw Jensen Button and i think he did well too in monaco yeah also kunal it seems like jolyn palmer will actually line up on the grid in malaysia after all <laughs> i just think he's heard our podcast and your advice and not taken the money from renault to vacate his cockpit earlier thank god he's listening to us thank you for listening to us jolyn because now it means that you will be driving at malaysia and it in fact gives him the next six races give him the opportunity to try and make himself eligible for the seat at williams of course he will need to really outperform nico halkenberg for that which i don't see as happening and uh, but what the hell it's good to be ambitious right <laughs> <laughs> what's also highly ambitious is mclaren renault confident of winning a race in 2018 wow <laughs> <laughs> And this is also despite them admitting that they're like two weeks behind their schedule for next season already. <laughs> so I'm just like, never mind. <laughs> so what I understand is that McLaren are saying that they'll end up missing Australia and come straight to Bahrain or to China, wherever the second race is. <laughs> <laughs> or they'll be ready for Australia in Bahrain or <laughs> something like that. But you know, it can't get funnier and more real for Honda too. So in the 2017 F1 game, Honda's power units have an upgrade issue that's yet to be fixed. <laughs> This is true, guys. I can't believe it. Hats off to the game coders for making the video game oh so damn real. <laughs> <laughs> But if that's the case, then I don't think the upgrade issue will ever be fixed in the video game. <laughs> So if Honda's 2018 engines is the class of the grid then they, you know maybe they should call it the Alonso spec engine <laughs> <laughs> because you know honestly the pressure from Alonso is what would have driven them to greatness on the engine front finally <laughs> that would be a great way to rub things in as well but if things were to remain the same from joking about McLaren Honda we'll go to joking about Toro Rosso 
in which case we might just end up recycling some of our jokes <laughs> <laughs> okay on to my favorite topic red bull racing and aston martin they have now announced a title sponsorship we were actually the very first ones to call it and uh, you can actually go back we have an episode called james bond in formula 1 you can go and tune into that episode and we really hope that aston martin red bull racing and formula 1 use james bond to promote formula 1 to larger audiences yeah and you know someday we'll say like hey we saw it coming <laughs> or i told you so <laughs> yeah what foresight anyway the aston martin announcement means that one more car manufacturer is in the sport but obviously this isn't as a manufacturer this is purely a sponsorship deal uh, like red bull racing had with infinity yes which reminds me that even if jolly and palmer doesn't and won't ever feature in red bull racing's plans andy palmer will because he's the man who signed the title sponsorship at infinity back then and now at aston martin A Palmer coming to Red Bull's rescue. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds strange. <laughs> But what I find really strange is that despite having a car manufacturer as their sponsor, Red Bull Racing will have Renault engines rebadged as Tag Heuer. <laughs> It's so weird. The weird ways of Formula One. That's an extremely interesting observation. Also, the Aston Martin. Association won't solve Red Bull Racing's biggest headache in Formula One, which is to get a competitive power unit. And uh, Aston Martin have also teased that they don't mind being a constructor in Formula One in the near future, which could be as early as 2021, so long as the costs and engine regulations are kept in check. So the ball is now in the FIA and FOM's court, actually. Yeah. Oh, and finally, so thanks to FIA's new regulations. Uh, relating to race starts no driver will be able to do a valtteri bottas again basically have the perfect start at the lights <laughs> <laughs> the new ruling means that if sensors don't catch you you will be termed as a jump starter well that's an interesting regulation or a rule change that's coming through and it's also a little unfortunate right because if a driver gets it right like valtteri did you could just end up being penalized but there's a few more changes that formula 1 has announced and uh, the clock is ticking and we realize we're going to hit the longest episode mark ever so we're going to leave this for discussion in the next week's episode because for now we are really hoping that it is sebastian vettel who's jumping on the top step of the podium come sunday adios Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Is that Shakespeare? Nope, it's Geico. Ah,、uh, yeah, 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 that's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished works. Oh, it be not for awakening. Nay, giveth thou the berries. For fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Nope, it's from Geico because they help save people money. Well, I hate to break it to you, but Geico got it from Shakespeare. Geico, fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more.